Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Dave, I don't know what we did. I, I don't know if we're like the Jinx or the Black Cat and the Ladder and insert bad luck, broken mirror, whatever. But we start podcasting again. Next thing you know, the Sixers lose two straight to the Knicks and the Jazz, and then they lose again to Atlanta. And now Embiid's knee again. God dang it. It's the Liberty Ballers podcast. It's the Out of Sight podcast and the Liberty Ballers podcast network. I am your host, Adil Royster. I'm joined, as always, by Dave Early. Dave, what the hell? What did we do? What, should we just should we just not podcast anymore if this is what's going to happen? Because people are going to blame us on, on X. You could blame us. You could blame luck. But at the end of the day, uh, it looked like Joel first tweaked his ankle versus Minnesota on a dunk. And then he rolled it in like the first couple minutes after playing poorly versus Minnesota. I mean, versus Toronto. And then they played him another 29 and a half minutes by my account on that injury. And that's not good. And that's probably contributed to why he missed four straight with that. Because as any pickup player knows, if you sprain your ankle and you keep playing. It's only going to get worse. I, yeah, have you, have you it. ever have you ever tried to play? continued to play pickup on a rolled ankle like you're, you're just done no matter how old you are you're just done like that's it like i'm not playing anymore i've tried to play through a million injuries and there's just so many like cliches when you follow sports that like this is more of a pain tolerance issue this he can't make it worse has any real doctor ever said that to you it's it's absolutely annoying. And now Paul Hudrick has reported on the site that uh, MB is going to be out for tonight's game against the Sacramento Kings, which kind of blows because I'm actually going to this game tonight. So that, that kind of sucks. Um, but I, the continued fumbling of the load management bag, this is what we talked about this last week. Should Dave, I really need you to get on the phone to Daryl or whoever and be the common sense medical czar. Like, this is getting out of control. This is like the fifth straight season now that they fumbled this bag all the time. Yeah, I first tried to... Uh, yeah, I would think the thing that I could help them the most with is some shooting coaching. But I've since discovered that I would have been extremely valuable to them <laughs> making common sense recommendations like, Jimmy Butler's a max guy. Don't play injured players. And the Sixers don't have that guy at this point because we've heard Daryl talk about it in the past on a podcast, writes to Ricky, I believe, about P.J. Tucker. Remember when P.J. Tucker had like a dead hand or a wrist injury? Oh, yeah. 
and he was playing through it. And Mike Levin was like, maybe you don't play 37 year old players with dead hands. <laughs> and so the Sixers don't have that. Like if you're medically clear, if you've gotten an x-ray and you're not broken, remember Tyrese Maxey rolled his foot in a game where Harden and Embiid were out hurt and he was doing everything he could kind of like he is now. Literally everything. Just like he is now, everything he can to keep the team afloat. And it puts a bigger burden on him, but the team saw immediately a fracture and he couldn't play. So he was out. That's how it should have worked with Joel at times and James Harden at times. But these guys go for treatment and when they when the x-ray does not show it and it means you need an MRI the very next day or the day after, or as soon as the hospital that they're at is open or they want to come back to Philly and do the MRI there, they play those guys the rest of the game. Cause those guys always say I'm fine and they, they believe it. And I don't disagree with them if they think they're fine. Like they all superstars think they're fine, right? They're, they're warriors. They have that warrior mentality. But Six- with Embiid, however, here's the thing. If Joel saying one thing, that's fine. Okay, cool. Do you think you can go? All right. But at the same time, um, we're trying to win a championship here with you. So we're going to go ahead and play it safe. Like there has to be that level of, okay, he says he's good to go, but I think it's better to err on the side of caution. I, I feel like that's fair. That's fair. But this team does not have that check balance in place. This team has... If you're medically cleared and you say you're fine, apparently the coach, whether that's Doc Rivers or Nick Nurse, is going to play you as if you're completely fine. And should, should on- we just enlist? Should we just enlist like the concussion protocol for Embiid? Anytime he like gets hurt or seems hobbled, just like okay, uh, we we know you're fine, but you, it, it's a concussion. We're probably not. We're probably going to sit you the rest of the game. Yeah, I, I would think that there should be some arbitrary cutoff. You know, I don't know if it's like if you're playing Boston on March 15th and you're knotted up in the season series and home court's on the line, you're playing Milwaukee and he says he's fine and he's medically clear and you want to leave him in that close to the playoffs with the two seat on the line, it makes a lot more sense to me. And even in that extreme scenario, you might say, hey, I'd rather the three but not push Joe if he's going to miss time because you can't tell if he's got ligament damage or a bone bruise in-game. The swelling hasn't set in yet. We just saw that with the ankle. We saw that last season when Harden hurt himself in Washington. Right. He limped to the locker room. He came back and he played another 30 minutes or whatever it was. And in March, he hurt himself an Achilles he'd already been nursing apparently since January. And Doc played him 47 minutes total in a double overtime loss on an injury that would cost him games. And then he would later admit, I'm not sure that this Achilles is going to fully heal by the rest of the year. So you come into this year with all that knowledge in your hand and Joel clearly gets hurt. And you got idiots like me on Twitter, like he's probably headed for scans tomorrow. Hopefully he's okay. And and me, I would just like to point out. Yeah, you can see it in real time. You don't. It doesn't take a doctor to know like that's worth a checkup. That's it's like, worth hey, th- how he landed did not look good. <laughs> it didn't look good, and he was limping around the rest of the game, not quite mobile enough. And uh, it, this team simply does not have someone to say 
It's November. It's December. This is a long season. It's not even Christmas. Why do we need to leave him in? And you see Paul Reed, who's had his struggles, who Paul pointed out in that same report, I think, that the tree, you know, the centers that back up Joel from Reed to Bamba to maybe Morris are not necessarily up to snuff. Paul Paul hit Bruno Fernando with a stray saying, hey, if they couldn't stop him, good luck with Sabonis in the next game. Seriously, why is Bruno Fernando out here catching strays from Paul? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it was a great line because it's so true. Um, on the other hand, Paul Reed went into Orlando and helped wax them, and he was dominant. And it was like, if Joel's hurt and you have even a chance to win the game with guys like Reed out there, you don't want to take that and you don't want to get Joel off an ankle you know, or you don't want to get James in the past, who's an important superstar point guard for you, who makes Maxi better every time he's out there, who makes Joel better with the pick and roll. You don't want to get him out knowing like he's set for an MRI tomorrow. Here's my thing. As soon as he came off like hobble, I was just like, okay, get get him off and just rest him, whatever. It's Toronto. Make, make whatever excuse you need to make. They here here are the games that they've played since. So they played Toronto, Toronto, Miami, Orlando, Houston, Chicago twice, the Knicks and the Jazz. I'm okay in that stretch of games. It's nine, it's nine games. If the Sixers go like three and six, but Joel is completely healthy before tonight's game against Sacramento, I would have been okay with that. But as it stands, you are dealing with a hobbled Embiid. Max is doing everything that he possibly can to carry this team. Yeah, and the team is at higher risk. And the team is still only and the team is still two and seven with Embiid out. So I just don't I think they should have erred on the side of his health versus whatever he's going for second MVP defense player of the year, whatever individual awards at this point, Joel, they don't matter. They, they only matter to you. I should say it that way. It's like, this is for your legacy, which is, I mean, do we really, does he really have to do much? He's probably the best center of the last 15 years. Other than Jokic. Other than Jokic. Yeah. Like, you're going to go into the hall, buddy. Like, it's going to happen. Like, don't even worry about that. And the biggest difference between those two guys at this point is Jokic jumps very, very little. Doesn't go for those. uh, A guy has blown by me, but I'm still going to get a block track downs in half-court settings where you're going to land on someone's feet. And he doesn't go for dunks. And those are the two plays that are in Bede's danger zone in his history and track record. And... We have a very lengthy, like, nine, ten-year sample now to say Joel puts too much, way, way, way too much emphasis on regular season accolades because the talking point over the last handful of days on Sixers Sphere has been on these injuries, on the ankle, he's still playing 29 and a half minutes. And then on the knee injury, He's out there perhaps allegedly keeping 30 and 10 streaks alive against the Knicks in garbage time. And it's like, why is there no one on this team who feels comfortable just saying, we don't think you're right. I can, I know you're saying you're right, but all ace pitchers, all quarterbacks want to play, you know, like Joel sit down. Okay. But, But this is December. This is November, whatever it is. 
this is the, this is early January. This is the time to play it cautious because the one thing you have to do, the only thing fans care about, and Sean Kennedy had a great line, like the only one who really cares about this 30 and 10 streak is NBC Sports Graphic Department. Because Pretty much. the fans don't need him to get another MVP. Like we, the game he received his MVP trophy, as fun as that was, Sixers lost at home to Boston. Yeah. <laughs> and he wasn't he wasn't 100 percent healthy dealing with an LCL. Ramona Shelburne talking about that's a four to six week injury. And um, you know, kind of misspeaking today, saying this is the same thing, and then walking it back a little bit, saying it's not the same thing. But did she think that this was a four to six week timeline and the Sixers are calling it more day to day, even though he's already been ruled out for Atlanta, uh, for Sacramento, I mean. So and you don't know. Is this is this something where he's going to miss another couple games and then come back and not be quite right for another two weeks? We're going to hear I, about it, you know, because he was talking about my ankle isn't 100 percent. I'm going to play on it. And he did. And sure enough, here we are with the knee. Which brings you back to all his prior injuries. He always came into those games dealing with one thing that I think I'm not I'm no doctor, but I think like if your left ankle is really hurting, maybe you want to land on your right leg. Maybe that puts a little bit more pressure on that right leg and vice versa. And just the rest of this month, the Sixers have the Nuggets twice, Indiana, who is on their heels in the standings, plus Orlando, who's a surprise team. There are some pretty important games here. And if yeah, and, and, and B can't be missing too many more of these. Where would the Sixers have been last year if they just pulled Harden out of the games where he was clearly invisibly hobbled? That counts in Washington and Chicago. Both of those led to him missing time and coming back not 100%. And where would they have been this year if they learned from those mistakes and pulled Joel as soon as he rolled his ankle versus Toronto and didn't insert him back in the game against the Knicks? And right, if they don't have anyone that can stand up to him, if the truth is that Joel says he's fine and if he's medically cleared, the coach will play him, then it falls on Embiid's shoulders. And how much he cares about these streaks and MVP narratives and the 65-game minimum now that Ramona implied matters to him. And it's pretty frustrating if you've been a fan of this guy because, frankly, I don't give a shit if he wins MVP yeah. or scoring title. I don't care at all. I just want to see him have a healthy postseason, win or lose. At this point, it's just championships we care about with with Embiid right now. Yeah, we have is we have individual accolades. We're we're done with that. Like we're good. If you're not good with it, then maybe you're just a winter player. And Jimmy Butler's yeah. not. Kawhi Leonard's not. Those guys have diligently accepted load management, and they happen to make the finals a lot more than you. And they happen to, you know, Jimmy could have went to the finals three out of the last four years, and he went to the finals twice since the bubble. If Jimmy Butler is still here, would he be saying to Joel, like, bro, what are you doing? Do you want your legacy to be the guy who yeah. played through injuries in the dead of winter five months before the finals? All I know is the All-Star break is not for another month. And so now I'm having the internal conversation that I do every year around this time is, do you just do you just say F it and just sit him until after the All-Star break and just take your chances with the standings the rest of the way? Daryl Moyer, for all of his brilliance, and you don't get a guy like him, a top five GM, unless you have a guy like Joel. That said, Daryl has, and Nick Nurse has put forth this idea that you don't necessarily, like the statistics don't bear out, you know, maybe you don't have to load, load manage 
don't look at statistics. Look at Joel. Right. And we have a history with him where he just, for whatever reason, he's just not right come playoff time. So if that's the, if that's what you're going for, he can't get through the regular season typically, and then he can't get through the first round. If that's your goal, winning championships, then you want your best guys on the floor. And, and that's what fans like us are just desperate for. And that's why this is so damn frustrating. Cause it's like, all right, maybe Ramona misspoke. Maybe it's not the four to six weeks type of injury. Maybe it's just a week to week thing. Fine. But your process for why we're here is because he was playing hurt and playing in garbage time. Garbage time is where Pascal Siakam broke his face. Yes. He had to wear a stupid mask. And preventatively, guys like Richard Hamilton in the past have wore them preventatively and saying, like, yeah, I've already sustained a couple nose issues. I don't want more. I'm just going to wear this. <laughs> Maybe Joel's there. Maybe he should say, I've broken my orbital two or three times. I don't want to get hit and break it again playing a sweaty mask because I'm not that good in a mask. I don't know what the I don't know what the corollary is for the ankle, but hopefully we can get this figured out. Um Obviously, the Sixers are going to have to do something with the roster construction with Embiid out, depending on how long he's out. So we have Dave and I have curated a list. I have I have a list of names. David has some ideas as well. So we're going to take a quick break, come back, pace the ad sponsors. We'll come back and we will retool this roster a little bit as the outside podcast and the Liberty Ballers podcast network. It is the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. It is Adil Royster and Dave Early, as always. So, Dave, trade deadline, lots of talk, lots of players being rumored already. So, what do you what do you say? We hinted at this last week, but what do you say we actually do this and just say, okay, these are some of the names that are being floated out there, and let's put them into some some categories, some tier lists. I have. The categories that I'm going with, maybe you have similar players in a similar type tier list, but here's what I got. I have three categories for from for me. And the categories are this. Category one, under no effing circumstances. Pretty straightforward. Under no effing circumstances do I want the six straight for this guy. Category number two, you could talk me into it make a decent argument as far as like why he would be a good idea. Cool. If the price isn't too steep. Awesome. And then there are the, Oh my God, stay on the phone until you get an answer definitively from the general manager. Those, those are my three categories. I don't know if yours are different. No, I'll use yours. Okay. So let's start with the not under any circumstances list. Uh, name number one, and I've said this a myriad of times, Zach Levine. Under no circumstances do I want Zach Levine on the Sixers team. Let the Lakers take that bullet. Let the Warriors take that bullet. There is no chance I want Zach Levine on this team, taking the ball and shots away from Tyrese Maxey. And by the way, Levine is also already hurt anyway. Yeah, the to me, the injury... Uh, I guess he's got a sore foot lately, but he's got the more scarier history of the knee. He's torn an ACL in Minnesota, right? 
Uh, he had a cleanup surgery on that in Chicago. To me, the injury, you know, history there makes him a little dicey combined with the opportunity cost. If you have to deplete assets to get him, I wouldn't want him if you cannot also get Caruso. Without Caruso, this is a non-starter. Like, don't even... <laughs> no, no. You know, it depends on the price. If we're just flipping Tobias for him, I would do it in, in a snap. But if we have to use picks, you know, it starts to feel kind of dicey. So maybe so maybe he's in the you-can-talk-me-into-it category, but only if it's a one-for-one one Tobias for Levine swap. Yeah, and, you know, maybe I shouldn't say in a snap because the opportunity cost is still important. With the news that Kawhi Leonard has extended, that's pretty bad. Um, I'm sure the Sixers' final odds will dip a bit with their latest slump and Bede's injuries and the fact that Kawhi just resigned because if you had your heart set on the cap space dream, one of the guys, two of the guys at the top of that dream was Leonard and Paul George in L.A. If they had blamed out somehow in the playoffs and stayed healthy, those are guys atop your list in terms of signing a max free agent. So if you do go for a guy like Levine or DeJounte Murray, you might be taking those sort of pie-in-the-sky dreams off the board. There's also a report that um, everyone but Steph Curry and Golden State might be available. So I'll get to that. I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. So <laughs> I have a wild idea. <laughs> any, any guy you bring in like Levine who's got a long-term contract and gets paid a lot, you have to wonder who now you can't get this summer. And if – you flame out in the playoffs yourselves does indeed get a wandering eye. And is that the reason no one in the front office, coaching staff, training staff, medical staff is comfortable saying to Joel, we know nothing's broken, but we don't want you to keep playing hurt okay. in the year, five months from the finals, six months from the finals. And if that's the case, maybe you just want to spring for a guy like Pascal Siakam does that tempt you? Uh, Siakam is also under my uh, not un not under any circumstances list. The shooting is not there. And not under any circumstances. No, uh, like the the shooting is not there, and I can't like I know Tobias has his shortcomings, but if the shot isn't working for Pascal, he is. I don't want to say worthless, but I don't necessarily think he's a net better than Tobias Harris. That's just my feeling. I, I mean, I think that's pretty blasphemous. I, I think Tobias at best is probably a top 60 player at this point. I don't think he's a great fit with Embiid. Um, really? Okay. And I, I think Pascal is probably the only top 35 player available. Mm. And so if you wanted to bring in a stud he's probably the best of any realistic hope what you would have to do is send your picks for the type of maybe young player that would entice Masai who seems to want to do a uh, retool a young retool right Scotty Barnes is the centerpiece rather than a straight we, rebuild and just like blow everything up yeah yeah because I think the Knicks trade where they offloaded a Nunabi who didn't want to stay there long term uh, preferring the CAA connections in New York City. As a London native, appeal to him, and he'll probably sign a long-term contract there. Don't think he'd sign an extension because that would cost him a lot of money compared to a max. But yep. that that just told you a little bit of what Toronto's looking to do. Their ownership might have said, hey, R.J. Barrett's a 
Canadian. Let's, you know, he'll sell some tickets. And Masai might have said, yeah, and actually, I think there's some upside there. And that looks like a pretty good, uh, you know, he and uh, Manuel Quickly are both playing better in Canada than they were in New York. So do the Sixers have any enticing pieces to get Siakam? It doesn't seem like it. So it would probably have to be a three or four way trade. Yeah, not right now. They don't. I know they yeah. got a bunch of capital back in the Harden trade, but even still, like the young, they got the draft picks, but they don't have the young player capital that you need to pull something like that off. Yeah, if you wanted Siakam and you were combining guys like Morris Covington, Covington dealing with a mystery knee himself, which makes me wonder: is he on the block? Um, Springer doesn't really move the needle. Springer's definitely not moving the needle, but the picks probably would and the swap probably would. So can you get them a young guy? And if so, who is that young guy? Is there anyone? I don't know. Would they be interested in a herder from Sacramento? Would they be interested in no, any? No, no, no. no. The, the, the Sixers are interested in herder. Like that's 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 one of my hey, uh, do not hang up the phone until you get a definitive yes or no to a herder trade. But would you want him if you were Toronto in a three-way deal, Siakam to Philly? In that in in that case, yes. Something like I, you know, you don't have to be hurt. It doesn't have to be hurter, but you know what I mean. Like Her, they get a guy that they actually like, like rather than Tobias and picks, because um, that makes a little bit more sense to me. On the other hand, maybe they would just like to wait for the summer and have those picks and then make another move. So. I know that Siakam's not an ideal fit. I know that the shooting hasn't been there. Um, Maybe it gets better playing next to his countrymen. Maybe. To me, he's to me he's a tier above these other names we've been talking about, like Levine, Dejounte Murray. And so, if you did want to swing for the fences, he's your best bet as a swing. Mm-hmm. If if you didn't. I would probably skip over the next tier because I'm not really classifying any of these next guys as stars. Like people keep saying, you don't need a third star. Typically, my rebuttal to that is, but you're talking about Zach Levine. He's not currently a star. He was an all star before his knee cleanup, his wrist injury, and his sore foot. He's not a star right now, and he's a one way player. So he shouldn't be your example of what a. Th- you know, going for a star hunting is he should just be art. Do you want a role player? Do you want another one way volume scorer who can space the floor and create his own shot who might have an injury history and happens to play for a super max, you know, so I'm kind of with you on why they wouldn't do that. And they, the reports have suggested they're out on Levine or at least not really in on Levine. Right. Um, I think it's more, I think it's more, they're not in versus just playing all out. Yeah, and Chicago might want to value him as an asset rather than a salary dump. I don't know yet. We'll have to see. Um, you mentioned Golden State. Uh, everybody except Steph Curry is kind of available. Um, uh, I, I thought about Andrew Wiggins for a second, but then I looked at his contract and I was just like, yeah, no, he's he's another one of those not under any effing circumstances. You wouldn't mind his contract if he were playing like he was in the finals, locking up Tatum, and you're swapping him with Morris and Covington, who's not even in the lineup. Or, or if I get if I get that Andrew Wiggins, sure, but there's no clearly having some sort of like Ben Simmons esque, you know, off the court crisis that has impacted his performance. One thing I sorry. 
so that's yeah that make that probably makes him a non-starter for them at his contract because of <laughs> you just don't know what he's going through or how long that's going to take for him to maybe get back to a level he only sustained for a short amount of time anyway one one thing that i i i love my brother and he just happens to think that the sixers need like the charles barkley slash dennis rodman slash goon guy like next to uh Embiid and I'm just like we had that in PJ Tucker and he was kind of useless but then he was just like well if the Warriors are trying to trade everybody what about Draymond and I was thinking I'm looking at it I'm like that's not the that's not the worst idea in the world and we kind of talked about it earlier on Slack it's just like can we keep Draymond out of prison and you had the awesome line where it's just like Five games in in, uh, San Francisco, he'd get arrested for assault in Philly, which I don't disagree with. Yeah, Uh, my my joke was basically like, if you're winning championships with Steph Curry, no matter how many egregious rib stomps and chokeholds are on your resume, you're still going to get, you know, how many times you clock a young rising player like Jordan Poole in practice can you get yeah. away with it and just yeah. keep getting these very, very short suspensions? Uh, but in Philly, I'm not sure that like we would get the same benefit from Adam Silver. Does he, you know, if Draymond <laughs> was doing his shenanigans, which I don't think he can control really. I don't either. I like Teeves, I love you, but Draymond, I I can't I can't get there with Draymond. I'm sorry. Um Yeah, he, so I think that there's a real risk of him not not being out there all the time because of suspension uh, and whatever he's going through personally, like pretending he, he even hit Adam with like the relationship line. If you don't, Oh my change, God, that was great. You don't <laughs> change. We're over. And it, and it worked. He was like, Hey, if you don't change. We're over. And Adam was like, okay, the suspension's over your back. Uh, don't just don't retire. Would that have worked in Philly? That's strong. No, absolutely not. No, no way. way. <laughs> no, no Philly player can get away with strong arming Adam Silver. So, I, you know, I could see the benefit to having a defender and high level passer like him. But we did live through the Ben Simmons stuff. And if you have a non-shooting threat out there with Joel, and I think this is also a rebuttal to your brother who wants a Rodman type, it makes Joel a much poorer passer. It doesn't help. Uh, DeJounte Murray, I actually moved from not under any circumstances to you could talk me into it because I did not realize this, but he shoots close to 40% from three. I did not know this on six attempts a game. And I was like, wait, seriously? Uh, if that's the case, I mean, there are, but then you're thinking like you had to move Melton to the bench because you're not going to start Maxi Murray and Melton all at the same time. So from that aspect, like it would be hard to talk me into that because Melton's Melton's been decent as a starter. So I don't necessarily want to mess with that too much. Yeah. On the one hand, he's shooting it well. On the other hand, he's 27 years old and his career three point average is significantly below league average at, you know, 35, 34 and a half percent. Right. So would you actually expect him to shoot 39% here? That's the thing. Like which DeJounte Murray am I trading for? Exactly. Here are his three point percentages over the last few seasons, 37 on 1.7 attempts, 31 and three attempts, 
32% on 4.3 attempts, 34% on five attempts, and now 39% on six attempts. So I, I probably have to look at the video to see if he made significant alterations to his form. And if that's the case, I'd be a lot more sold on him, but I haven't done that homework yet. I do feel um, like he's closer to the 33, 34% than the yeah, 40%. That's, that's sure. the much safer bet without doing extensive homework that he will not do that for you. The flip side argument to that would be here. He'd be wide open with the maxi Joel thing. Maybe he, teams would be forced to tempt him to shoot and maybe when wide open, he could at least shoot as well as Melton with much more creation, ball handling and playmaking ability. Uh, and maybe on a real contender, he'd get back to that level of defense that he was in San Antonio when he made all defensive teams in an all-star game. So I'm with, I'm in your camp. I could be sold on this, but it'd be tricky to get excited about unless you still found a way to, to maintain max space for the summer. Cause if you're depleting assets to, to onboard him, which I assume you'd have to do. Yeah. For, for example, if they wanted Siakam, Sixers can't even like get in this conversation. Right. Definitely not. Like you're at that, you're choosing one or the other at that point. Right. Yeah. So if they, if you were Atlanta and someone in Toronto put Siakam on the table, like Philly's really not moving the needle for you with their, uh, we don't know how good these picks will be. They're kind of far away. Here's a swap. One's from LA. They always seem to recycle stars. Um, so he might be expensive if you got him. And then you might not feel completely comfortable and he might, you know, dig into that cap space idea. Um, on the other hand, like, is it sacrilege? Is it blasphemous to waste a single year of Embiid's prime, as we always have to say? Um, so should you do anything and everything, including go for Levine or Murray? And there's there's merit to that, the way Embiid plays. But um, I, 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 I'm not with Levine's injury history on top of Embiid's current injury problems. I don't know if I'm I don't, I'm not there with Levine. I don't think I ever will be. And Murray himself has a torn ACL, just like Levine. So if Levine's worries you, maybe Murray should too. Um, and then but, you're, you know, again, you might be ruling out some summer prospects, you know, because then you wouldn't have the assets to right. splash around with on draft day. You could offer up to five first round picks on draft day 2024 if you hold steady now. So if to me, the best available player of all the realistic options we're hearing is Siakam. I know a lot of fans will disagree with that and say, for I'd a third, for I'd quote unquote, more. for quote unquote, third star, he's like the most realistic. Yeah, if you want a quote someone, unquote star, if you want someone who we could even like jokingly say was a star, Siakam's the closest to that. Um, he's certainly a tier above, in my opinion, to guys like Levine and Murray. But like you've pointed out, he's not the perfect fit, and so maybe you'd be better off maintaining as many assets as you can and maintaining the cap space and just going for a cheaper shooter who is a fit, like you know uh atlanta's bogdanovich maybe funny you mentioned that because the third tier is all of that category just guys where it's wing shooting and some defense um, yeah dorian finney smith dorian finney smith is in there just like yes g give me a definitive yes or no uh alex caruso give me a definitive yes or no buddy healed both of the both of the bogdanoviches um Boyan and Bogdan, either one doesn't matter. 
Kevin Herter is on that list. Just like low, low risk, high reward shooters, pretty much is that tier, with the exception of Caruso, because you're also getting a damn good wing defender. Maury might, if he were on our pod, he might say they're not necessarily low risk because A, they could get hurt and then the trade looks bad. And well, B, yeah. a lot of those guys make mid level contracts. They're not stars. They're not necessarily moving the needle. For example, if Boston were healthy in the playoffs, Herder's not going to help you beat them. Um, and so our, we're better off waiting for that star. Um, it's very popular and trendy to say two stars in depth. And I've heard that, but I think Daryl's right that obviously it'd be better to have an actual star than any of those scenarios. You're 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 really downing my Luke Kennard trade to the Sixers here. Like you're really putting a damper on that one, Dave. So thank you very much. No, I mean they they all make the <laughs> they all make the Sixers better. These guys, if you're trade, you know, if you're trading Marcus Morris, who just got a key to the city, so I guess they're giving these keys away now because I don't know if he's going to wow. be here for more than four months total. Wow. <laughs> wow i know i know he's from philly <laughs> but i mean it's... hey i don't have a key to the city i've lived here i've lived here 43 years you deserve a key more than morris does how about that i don't know about that but i sure <laughs> it, will you take it because I'll, I'll give it to you if you'll take it listen if listen if Marcherelle parker wants to give me a key to the city she is more than welcome to do so and i will gladly accept it it'll go on my mantle it'll be a great conversation piece of holiday time if there's one single soul listening to this who thinks a Dio, a Philly lifer, deserves a key more than Morris, Philly raised, who's been playing here for a little while, but not always well, deserves it more, then I'll defer to you, but I would give the key to a Dio first. There's no chance I'm getting a key to the city because I still want D'Angelo Russell to get traded here. Like, there's like Sixers fans will not allow me to have a key to the city just based on that. You just want D'Lo? All right, forget it. I'm giving it to Morris. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Were there any other names that I may have left out that you would like to comment on? Yeah. I know, I I know I've missed like one or two. I'm sure I have. We we have not yet mentioned one of your all-time favorites in Clay Thompson. Uh, the problem with Clay is that like I don't like what Clay am I getting? Like we said, you said this with. DeJounte Murray a little bit like I see what Clay Thompson is now like is that the Clay Thompson I'm getting am I getting I granted he still shoots 39% from three which is definitely down from his like 40% and up numbers and he's still gonna get you like 18 19 points game but like that defense is just not there anymore remember when Clay Thompson was probably the best two-way guard in the NBA or the best two-way wing. Those days are long over. He's 33. I, I what what is it? It would have to be Clay for Tobias straight up, I would think, right? Or, you know, a pair of the expirings like Covington Morris, I guess, could do it or get you close with Furkan maybe and Pitts. But I, Tobias has to be in there because Clay's number is 43. <laughs> okay. Um I hadn't factored that in yet, but yeah. So I guess Tobias plus Furkan. Remember when there were like these weird rumors that Harden, like he could even play for an MLE somewhere if he didn't get paid. Remember that? Like I remember that. <laughs> we kind of dismissed it. We were like, dude's not taking five million, ten million. No. But remember when you heard it about 
Kyrie Irving not getting an extension from Brooklyn and maybe going to LA for four and a half million. Yes. That was harder to dismiss, wasn't it? Because it was like, this guy's kind of nuts. He might do that. I kind of um, feel like that's where we would be with Clay in the offseason. Like exactly. If, is if, anybody oh. gonna give Clay more than like 20 mil a season next year when he hits the open market? I would say yes, but my my point was more even if you traded him and offered him a ton of money. Don't you look at Clay as the kind of guy who would say, I'd rather go back to Golden State and play or play for five million than <laughs> take this money. Right. Because I have him I have him in kind of that like, oh, I just want to have a great life kind of bucket. If he wants to he has earned the right to retire as a Golden State Warrior lifer. Same with, be, same with Steph Curry, same with same with Steph Curry, same with Draymond Green. They have earned the right to retire as Warriors lifers. Yeah, when we traded for James Harden, I was not nervous at the time that he would walk. I thought, I mean, it's Daryl Moore. That's his guy. We're gonna max him. And I was right. surprised when he only took that one year deal with the pay cut. And even the following year, it was surprising when they pretended to be scared of tampering, wouldn't reach out to him, hoping he opted in, which worked out for them uh, and got him a trade. The rare win-win trade. I know there's been a bunch of them, but this looks like one of them now. The Clippers look amazing. And the Sixers would not have looked amazing with Harden on the team moping around or not playing. Hell no. They got a system that Nick Nurse can deploy move the ball really well. Everyone's moving and it unlocks Maxi, and they have picks to work with, which gives you and I something to talk about, which is amazing. <laughs> so I think both teams would have played it exactly the same if they were in the same spot right now. That being <laughs> said, if Clay came here, I wouldn't feel confident at all that we're going to be able to resign him. I'd be really nervous that he's going to go back to LA or something, you know, somewhere and else that can then- muster up cap space. The only saving grace for uh Clay Thompson trade right now is the fact that he is also an expiring. So you'd be flipping expirings for Tobias, but then maybe losing a draft right. pick or two. And that's where I'm just like, oh, if I got to give I mean, up. With his championship pedigree, let's be honest, you're losing more than two. Yeah, I would agree. With it's, pro- it's probably at least three. Do I you want say. to be the guy who traded four-time champion Clay Hall of Famer Clay Thompson for like Tobias Harris and a pick the same yes. way they traded D'Lo for Wiggins. <laughs> yeah, you also don't want to be that guy. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, you know, I, I would be a little nervous. You know, they could obviously blow anyone away in terms of paying him, but then that brings up your original point. Like, what player are you getting? Who knows? He's a great fit. He's You'd probably feel better with him come playoff time than Tobias, obviously. But you'd really be worried about uh, retaining him and whether or not that would be worth it moving forward. Because if they got bounced in the first or second round, um, would that tempt Joel to take some of these calls from Pat Riley and Leon Rose if he didn't love how the future looked, maxing a guy like Clay who may not have performed very well versus Boston or whoever? That's another angle that I had not even considered. And that's something that should be at least very much on the forefront of everybody's brains when we're talking about this like huge trade deadline. Like, okay. That's why I wanted OG so badly and why it's scary yeah. to hear things like they got OG and now they have their sights set on the next CAA superstars like Booker, Town, Joel, Paul George. You know, it, if something flames out, 
for someone in Donovan Mitchell. Could the Knicks use whatever tricks they use to get Jalen Brunson to take a few less million dollars to go to New York? Could they, you know, hire Devin Booker's father and <laughs> get him and, and make Leon Rose's son his agent or whatever? And or, you know, or Joel. Uh, we'll have to see how this all plays out. And I hate to leave it at that, but like that's where it's all speculation at this point. Uh, Sacramento tonight, hopefully uh, let's, let's see if the Sixers can pull one out and go to three and seven without Embiid. That would be nice. And then, like I said, we've got the nuggets twice and then Indiana and Orlando. So pretty substantial month in terms of competition. Yeah, the, the we bought a whole pile of stock the last time we potted, and we shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, we yeah that was a big mistake by us. But we're still here, and we're still grinding, and we're still podcasting. We're all still we're also on social media. We're on X. I am at Adobe Royster. Dave is at Dave Early. You can follow us on X. You can follow the site on Twitter at Liberty Ballers. You can read. All the content, of course, on LibertyBallers.com and listen to this and other fine podcasts on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Dave, uh, I, I guess I'll talk to you next week and hopefully we can have a discussion without thinking that we're like the jinx of this team. Yeah, I was joking on Slack that I have a tattoo that it says, if any ESPN reporter ever reports about Joel Embiid injury, it's worse than you think. <laughs> That's a good and, one. And I got it in Latin. I was just I was just gonna say what what language, what font did you get that in? But but then a Princeton professor told me that it doesn't actually say that, and it just says e- Embiid is on ESPN, and it's not good. See, and that's so, not, see, yeah, that's, that's so not what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull Jax from Vanderpump, and I'm going to get a flower tattooed over that. <laughs> well, you will have to, you will have to put that on social media when that's done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll talk to you next week, Dave.